Welcome to Him for Her Radio, women's hot topics. Ladies, this show is for you. Find clarity, discernment, and discover who you are in Jesus Christ, all while exploring the hot topics of the day. She's an evangelist, founder, and president of Him for Her Ministries, and she's here to tell it like it is. Your host, Suge Burry. What happened if you say what you hey, John. We got to shorten that opening because I'm just so stinking antsy to get to the topic. I'm like, hurry up, lady. Just introduce me. Let's move on. <laughs> hey, friends. My name is Shook Burry. Him for her radio, Women's Hot Topics. We've got a hot topic here today. We are with Senator Scott Jensen. We're doing part four on invasion of the government. And, you know, some of the stuff we're going to be talking about today is, you know, what does God's word say about following uh, the government? And then as well, when does civil disobedience rise up in Christians, scripturally as well as today. What's right? What do we do next? I mean, really, these are the questions we all have. What's right? What's wrong? What should we do? What we should not do? This is a hot topic today. We are on YouTube. Check out our smiley faces. I got my hair colored the other day. You can check that out. And I'm sitting next to Ms. Reagan Kramer. Reagan, thank you for being with me today. How you doing, Shug? I'm, you know, I'm antsy. You're pansy. looking fabulous. Am I? Yeah, yeah, it's Looking kind of it's been green. a rough day, but I'm working. I on know. It. We're, yeah, 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 we're working on it. But I, you know, we're just so thankful that the senator took the time out to come here with us. Mm-hmm. Um, the last show, we really did talk about a bunch of different options. Would you guys please listen to one and two, where we did um, his biography? We talked about a variety of things, the fear formula, et cetera, in government. On part three as well, we talked about, you know, the, the vaccines and what does this look like? It, can it be mandatory? Can we lose jobs or positions if we don't have the vaccine? And today, as part of this part four, I really want to get into the meat, my friends. So pray for us as we're doing this. I want to get into the meat of scripture. I want to get into the meat of what's right, what's not. Um, can we go out and... Um, and protect and help those restaurants who are going against what the orders of Waltz are. You know, let's just get right to it. Reagan, take it away. All right, here we go. My heart is breaking for all those people with small businesses, yeah. restaurant owners, um, people that are in the fitness field that can't open. Their gyms are only just a little bit. And mm-hmm. so where do we draw the line and where are all of the um, boundaries around civil disobedience? And first of all, what does civil disobedience mean? Okay, but before we get there, can I yes. jump in? Yes, I, can. I do this to my husband all the time. Forgive me. Romans 13, 1, mm-hmm. we ended with that at the last show. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists what God has appointed. Oh, my goodness. And my head is just exploding. Can you expand on that, um, Senator, and tell me what your thoughts are around that verse? Romans 13.1 is a portion of Scripture that's challenged people for hundreds of years. And when I was at the seminary in 77 and 78, it was a huge issue for me as I, I just wrestled with that. But a friend of mine who's since passed, uh, perhaps a few years ago, he told me that you have to always think of the context. And I really think that's true. And if we look at the context of those words, when Paul wrote that letter, Paul was a brilliant attorney. He knew what his mission was. His mission was to spread the word as effectively and broadly as he could. When he gave us words, whether he was speaking about marriage whether he was speaking about the hoped-for journey 
where a person would commit their lives totally to getting the word out and they would not marry? When he made these kinds of statements, it was always within the context of the life he was living. He couldn't speak any other way. And I think the same thing happens with this area. Paul, to me, is like when you used to go to a restaurant, sometimes they would have a like a gun and you would press and you'd say you want a Pepsi and the gun would be pressed. And what you get out of that gun was you'd have three little jets of carbonated water and the middle hole would mm-hmm. be the syrup, whether mm-hmm. you're getting Pepsi or root beer. Sure. Paul sometimes is like that middle hold giving you just the root beer syrup or just mm-hmm. the Pepsi syrup. You need those three jets of carbon carbonated water around it to give it the context. And I think the context of what Paul was saying there was he did not want the Christianity mission to be compromised because people weren't following the government and that they would have the mighty hand of the Roman government come down on them. I think if we instead also try to incorporate what Paul said there into the interchange between Jesus and Pontius Pilate before Jesus was crucified. And I won't go into great detail on that, but if you just look at the kinds of words Jesus said there, or when the people wanted to stone uh, the prostitute, mm-hmm. Jesus quietly drawing a line in the sand and making some markings and say, yeah, yeah, go ahead, but uh, whoever there is without sin, go ahead and cast the first stone. Mm-hmm. I think what we're being told there is that Context matters. And when Paul was speaking, he wasn't necessarily speaking uh, to a time two millennia later where a man named Adolf Hitler was the leader. And he was saying, this is God's instituted leader. Mm -hmm. I don't buy that Adolf Hitler was ever God's instituted leader. Mm -hmm. So I think in this day and age, I think we have to remember the words of Jesus. And it's not that we're deflecting or dismissing the words of Paul in the the book to Romans. I think we're looking at in the context of where Paul was at. Mm -hmm. Today, I honestly think that there's real value to looking at Martin Luther King. If we look at Martin Luther King Jr. in the 1960s, and I think most people would argue that the civil rights movement in the 1960s was one of the most important steps that America has taken since the Civil War. And if you remember the letter that he wrote from the Birmingham jail, he, this is what Martin Luther King said. He said something to the effect that there are just and unjust laws, and we all have an obligation to obey a just law. But an unjust law, we have an obligation to disobey. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what we're struggling with right now. Mm -hmm. Governor Walls is a human. He will make good decisions and bad decisions. He will have a staff that advise him to make good decisions and bad decisions. But when we're making the decisions, we almost all think that we're making good decisions. That's Mm -hmm. what we desperately want to do. So to me, I've struggled with the notion of civil disobedience for the last several months because I I thought that it was going to come to this point, and it is. Mm. We're seeing the governor make decisions not based on what's inherently essential or non-essential, what's inherently safe or non-safe. He's making decisions based on negotiations. Mm. Think back to a few months ago when the churches were going to come out. And what happened? The governor and some of the church leaders pulled back into the back rooms, and they negotiated a compromise. Mm-hmm. I know for a fact that that happened with the lockdown in November. I know that there were people who represented industries that were able to get in front of the governor and help convince him that locking that sector of the economy down was unnecessary and a bad decision. It was a negotiation. Mm-hmm. This isn't a godly decision. So to me, as I struggled with this, I came to a point where I said, 
Civil disobedience being understood as a nonviolent, a peaceful manner mm-hmm. of, if you will, assembling and petitioning the government, in a sense, coming from the First Amendment. That, to me, is a part of our history. Yeah. It happened in 1773 with the Boston Tea Party, perhaps the most notable civil disobedient act ever taking place, throwing some 300 cases of tea into the, into the harbor. It was literally the thing that galvanized the colonists into creating America. Sure. So to me, I think that if we want it real simple and bite-sized and have it all stack up, good luck with that. Life isn't simple. Yeah. You know, and this just presses on my heart exactly what you're saying as well. Um, I could go through scripture and share with you about Moses's plea, let my people go. And, you know, Rahab, um, you know, going deliberately against the government to try to save um, the spies, et cetera. You know, time and time again in scripture, uh, when it was incorrect for the government to do what they were doing, they stood up for what they felt God was leading them to do. Yeah, Galatians 5 1 is what always comes to my mind. Is for It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Mm-hmm. And his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And we feel now, especially in this state, around the country, around the world, there is this yoke that I feel is over us of this oppression. And we do have that confusion. And so the discerning of the Christian person right now between what is unjust and just, mm-hmm. I feel is this battle. And I'm not going to go to spiritual again, but yeah. <laughs> you had said something earlier, Reagan, about the restaurants and your sympathy yeah. for them. Um, elaborate what you were asking. Well, I just my heart is breaking for them and they're having to make these big decisions and this discernment about do I stay open? And I know that uh, recently, well, yesterday, some of them were open. And I heard that you got some information at the end of the evening about what happened yesterday. That's night. I started my, well, actually Tuesday night, as I wrestled with this, I went back and did some historical digging and learned more and more about the Boston Tea Party and learned about what Martin Luther King Jr. did exactly in the 1960s. And so the next day I was at 7.30 at one of these restaurants that was had made the decision, the husband and wife had made the decision that they were going to reopen. And I went there to just ask them, could I make a video of you for a few minutes and just ask you questions about what does this restaurant mean to you? And they shared their story and talked about having owned this restaurant for 17 years, and it was their lifeblood. It was their connection to the community. And we talked about what they did with the community. I mean, they're the glue. Uh, When the Girl Scouts are selling cookies, they go there. When the Boy Scouts are looking for a fundraiser or newspapers, they go there. When the post-prom kids are running around trying to get donations or prizes, they go there. These linchpins of a community are being torn apart. And we're being told that this $200 million relief package that was passed a couple of days ago and Governor Walls signed yesterday would take care of it. Well, no, it wouldn't. The amount of money that these businesses are going to get won't get them through a week, no less the last four weeks and the coming three weeks. My stars, we've got some businesses losing hundreds of thousands of dollars every week or month. And they're going to get $45,000 and they're told to take this chump change and uh, be happy for it? No, that's that's not right. You know, I'm puzzled as well that airport restaurants are open, Mayo Clinic is open, there are restaurants. But yet these cute little mom-and-pop places that are existing on a dime out in rural Minnesota are following all the guidelines, doing everything they can do. And yet they're 
not able to open. And so it, it helps me to understand when you said if you can get in front of the governor and negotiate or talk about, I mean, that this is just wrong. Yes, I was told by an industry leader of uh, one sector about how a few days prior to the announced lockdown in November, they were on the list of what would be closed down. And they were able to intervene, and they were very appreciative that they were able to get in front of Governor Walls uh, to make a change. I'm struck by uh, the ministry of Jesus when he was criticized sharply by the leaders, those in authority, about what he was doing on the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. And he sort of checked them and said, hold it. He said, do you think that the Sabbath was made for man or man for the Sabbath? Mm-hmm. You know, you are all mixed up. And I think that we need to remember, we don't get things to be easy. It's meant to be hard. Mm-hmm. We've, given, we've been given a brain that is composed of billions of cells. And we don't get to understand how it is that we can memorize that Baton Rouge is the capital of Louisiana and two plus two is four. But somehow we have these cells that run around in a cycle so that we can retrieve those facts when we want to. Mm -hmm. It's an amazing brain we have, but it isn't simple. And Jesus was in no way going to give it up to us and say, oh, here's the formula. Here's how you do life. Mm -hmm. He wouldn't do it that way. Mm This is called wisdom, and we get wisdom when we go through the hard work of struggling and wrestling. And yeah. So I think if people are struggling and wrestling, what does my future look like? I don't think we're supposed to run from it. I think we're supposed to remember mm-hmm. we don't get to see our future. We maybe get to see the door that we're supposed to step through. Yeah. And after that door, we'll travel some steps, and there might be another door, door one, door two, mm-hmm. door three. Mm-hmm. Which one do you open? You know, you said over 150 restaurants um, went against the orders and are now uh, opening this weekend. Is that correct? Yes, and but I was called last night on this one that I did a video, and during the course of the day, the sheriff stopped by, Department of Health contacted them, the Attorney General's office contacted them. This is a full onslaught. So there are going to be many of those restaurants and businesses that were open yesterday. They will literally, because they are being hammered, they will close back down Mm -hmm. and simply do the takeout. The idea of outdoor dining in Minnesota, Mm -hmm. to me, tells me that what you're doing, once again, Governor Walls, you're letting the big box stores stay open, but you're closing Main Street, Minnesota. And in this situation, for those restaurants that have buku dollars and sell entrees at $45 and a glass of wine at $20, maybe they can find a way to have some sort of outdoor tent where they can serve and somehow abide by the governor's rules. But if you look at the mom and pop restaurants around Minnesota, Come on, don't kid yourself. Yeah. There's no way in the world they're going to be able to serve food outside to people mm-hmm. that are going to pay dollars when it's 10 degrees below zero. And why are they doing that, do you think? The, the governor is doing it because he's trying to demonstrate a certain level of magnanimous behavior, saying, I'm going to let you reopen. I'm turning the dials. In Minnesota in December and January, I'm sorry, turning the dials is delusional. You know what I noticed? I, I asked Reagan this this morning. Reagan, I don't know what your views are on this. Um, but, you know, he hesitates, and, and I literally, I want to keep this nonpartisan as much as I can, but when I see him hesitate and say, I need another couple days to decide what we're going to do, do you think he's waiting to see what other governors on his same uh, political uh, side of the fence are doing first, and then he makes a decision? That's a great question. Let's just track back the last week. More than a week ago, he announced that he was going to tell us on Friday 
December 11th what he was going to do regarding the lockdown that was supposed to end on December 18th. Mm -hmm. But when he got to that day, he said, whoops, I need a little more time than Monday. Whoops, I need a little more time Wednesday. Well, what happened on Monday? Yeah. Monday, he went to the legislature and said, I want the $215 million for a relief plan. The legislature gave it. So what did the governor tell us yesterday when he put the extension into place? He said, well, I got the $215 million bill from the House and the Senate two days ago. I'm going to sign it in about 20 minutes. He used it absolutely as justification for him to go ahead and extend the lockdown for three weeks and That was why I voted against that relief package on Monday. That was pandering. It was a manipulative tool that the governor knew bloody well what he was going to do with, and he did it. So it was a political move. Absolutely. Lord have mercy. Save us, Jesus. Dr. Jensen, how do you, you've got all this coming at you. You're at the front lines in medicine and in government. And how do you get your strength? How do you keep going every day? Honestly, my faith sustains me. But God also gave me a wife that is unbelievable. Mary Mary is, as Isaiah speaks, she is the wind beneath my wings. And uh, she, I mean, she has this nasty ability to sort of call me out and make me (laughs) rethink. And then she has this wonderful ability uh, to support me. And I have three kids, and they do the same. And uh, actually, I'll be very honest, in a moment of disclosure, I'll just say— Sometimes oldest children have the hardest route because I think parents have a certain expectation. Mm. And my oldest child is a a wonderful uh, young lady, but there are times where I'm probably tougher on her or perhaps less understanding of her perspective. And she also is one of these people in my life who will come alongside and bolster me Mm. or come alongside and say, hey, Dad, you need to step back and think about this twice. And all my kids do that. So I have been blessed by a family that uh, that does invigorate me. When, and they, they give me both injections of humility, but also they recharge my energy. And friends, as you're listening, and I know hundreds of you are, would you please pray for Senator Scott Jensen, for his family, for his discernment, for his wisdom, uh, for direction as well? You know, what a burden, what a hard job he has being a voice piece. And Reagan, don't you agree to me, it just, you know, call me crazy, but I, it seems like the end times. You know, what is going on, people? Earthquakes and fires, and we just had Paul Douglas on. He was talking about the weather, and uh, that's going to be airing soon. And, you know, I just have this feeling like we need to be more bold than ever to share the good news of Jesus Christ amongst all this gloom and doom. We are out there as Christians. We band together. We are united in Christ. Mm-hmm. And as my Pastor Joel says, let's get the love thing right, people. And we do that by speaking truth. We do that by praying. We do that by encouraging our neighbor. And Reagan, you had even shared with me the difficulties people are having. They don't even want to cross the street and help an elderly person with their garbage because they're worried about COVID. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And even more that we do need to be bold in sharing the gospel. And we do need to be personable. And when you were talking about Jesus and, you know, healing the leper on the Sabbath and Matthew 12, and you're, you, he, you see his love for people and his compassion. And I think through these times, we have lost some of that. We're saying we're trying to keep 
people safe, yet we're not even seeing the people we love and we're not helping the people around us and loving our neighbor in the way that he has maybe called us to. Mm -hmm. Because if we really believe who he says he is and who he says we are, daughters and sons of the Most High God, we we wouldn't be afraid of that. We would obviously be wise and smart and listen to accurate medical information, but we wouldn't take our hands off and just like not be these people of compassion and love that he calls us to be. People are getting fired up, Senator. And what words of wisdom would you give to them? What can we do? I think we're called to be courageous and authentic. And I think that Jesus modeled a certain level of kindness in virtually everything he did, even when he was challenging Nicodemus, that Nicodemus wasn't being as bright as he could have been, or when he was, if you will, backing Peter down a bit. I think we have to be that kind of a people. We have to say kindness and thankfulness, even if I'm not feeling kind or thankful. And we have to be authentic and we have to be courageous. And it's not going to be easy, but uh, we have to be held to that. But I think we also have to recognize the the failings of what humans are on this side of the threshold of eternity. We are obsessive people. We are people that tend to be egocentric. We think about our own world and we want to be right. And so we want to use data points that, if you will, support our perspective. We need to really try hard to say, why is this person I'm dealing with not seeing it the way I see it? And the starting point should be, help me, please. I don't see it the way you do. Help me understand better. And once you've had a chance to be a listener, then Maybe you get an opportunity to be the talker. But I think the best way to build a relationship is to listen first. I know sometimes with patients, when I see new patients in the office, they're stunned when at some point relatively early on in the visit, I will look at them and I say, what do you like to do for fun? And it's as if they've never been asked that question before. (laughs) But once I ask them that question, they know that I'm actually interested in them as someone other than just, if you will, a specimen yeah. or a case. Yeah. Yeah. A you, know, you know, and but when it comes to the government, when it comes to things that are going on that we that we don't agree with, we feel like we're being bullied. What action steps can people take? And I and everything should absolutely be nonviolent. Absolutely should be nonviolent. But I think we should just go right back to Jesus in terms of the Sabbath. And when someone when we're seeing that, we say, you know, I am going to do my level best. I don't care if it's Sunday, Saturday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I am going to do what I can. And if that means that I am going to respectfully, nonviolently participate in civil disobedience, so be it. We saw and have seen many times that that gentle kind of responding and reacting to unjust laws, rules, or behaviors is something we do. In Nazi Germany, People had to do that literally every day. They had that challenge, that battle. Am I going to help protect this person who, if I don't, may well be dead at the end of the day? Mm. So people would take them in. I mean, we have example after example. We have to hold on to those and let those things drive us to be the best people we can be because hopefully we're a better person today than we were yesterday, and hopefully tomorrow we get to be better yet. Amen. Amen. And thank you for sharing that. And the repentance piece, I think, is um, a really beautiful thing to share with our brothers and sisters, to wake up every morning and remember, Mm -hmm. Lord, forgive me, because I don't know what I do. And I want what's best for people, but I'm not always right. And I think if we all woke up and did that every day, 
the world would be a different, better place. Absolutely. Amen to that. And you guys, you can find Senator Jensen on Facebook. Isn't that the best way for people to look you up? Yes. Um, you did a wonderful piece on repentance. Yeah. It really moved my heart. Um, listen in. Stay up to date. Uh, f- please, um, Senator Jensen, how can we be praying for you? I think my prayer is simply that the worldwide, we get through this. We get through this with hopefully as few deaths as possible, with as few broken relationships as possible. And I think the best way to do that is we all have to be bridge builders. Mm -hmm. Build bridges, even if it's building a bridge with someone that you're not sure you even care for. Find a way. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. I'm honored to be able to interview you four different times. What an (laughs) honor that is. Ms. Reagan Kramer, you know I love you. I really appreciate you coming on, bringing your medical expertise as well to the table. Um, And John, you know that I can't do life without you on the radio. (laughs) To my friends, my name is Shugbury, Him For Her Radio, Women's Hot Topics. Find us at himforher.org. I love you. Over and out. Hey, ladies. This is Shugbury, and I'm the host of Him For Her Radio, Women's Hot Topics. I am so glad that you have found our show amongst the millions of podcasts that are out there. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, would you please do me a favor? Like it, rate it, thumbs up. We're on YouTube as well, so don't forget to find us there. You can watch our guests also. Please subscribe so you don't miss a show. We also have started Him For Her Crazy Testimonies. And each of our guests that we have on the show shares their personal testimony, how they receive Christ in their life. This is Shug Burry. You know I love you. Over and out.